Hello. May I welcome you to episode 16 of Moving Matters. I am your host, Colin Wynn. I hope Moving Matters will give you an insight to others working or have worked in this wonderful industry as I delve into their past, their present and their future. You will find a new episode of Moving Matters on the second and fourth Thursday of each month. I thoroughly enjoyed recording this episode with my guest, a guest that is a mere 36 years young, but has already amassed some 22 years experience of the industry. We discuss how he started in the industry, the challenges he's faced, what a franchise brings to his business, his high points, and what he would change within the industry. And as always, we end with not one, but two funny moving stories. One involving himself and a driver desperate for a number two, and one that involved a site manager on a new build. My guest this episode is Rob Horobin, Managing Director of John Lomas Removals. Enjoy. Good morning, Rob. How are you today? I'm very well, thank you, Colin. How are you? I'm very well indeed. Welcome to Moving Matters. Thank you. Can you tell everyone a little about yourself and the length of time in the industry? I can, yes. Um, I'm 36 years old, married to uh, my wife, Nicola. Uh, we've been married for five years, together for 12. Got two lovely girls, Ava, who's eight, and uh, my youngest, Lily, who's four, going on 14. <laughs> I've uh, been involved in the removal industry for uh, 22 years now. And how did you get started in the industry? I've worked in the industry since I was 14. Um, my parents were close friends with the Lomas family. We used to meet up socially. We had caravans in close proximity in, uh, in mid Wales. And we'd often meet up at weekends. Uh, my mum worked for John and Steve Lomas. Um, they had a furniture shop for which they did deliveries and they bought vans and trucks to help do that. So I remember going out for, for rides in the truck as a young lad of, of seven or eight years old. Um, my dad used to help them out too occasionally from uh, weekends from time to time. And then one August in 1998, um, I went into the office with my mum. They'd asked me to go in just to design some paperwork for them, really. The business was always quite small, and the sort of six months or so preceding that, they'd, they'd started to, to experience a bit of growth. So they wanted to sort of try and make themselves look a bit more professional, really, um, have standard um, templates for paperwork and stuff. And I went in to try and help them help them do that. I was in the office for about an hour. <laughs> they had a call. One of the guys was taken ill and had to come off a job. And so they asked me if I'd be okay to, to go out and, and you know lend a hand on, on one of the removals. So that was it, really. Went out on this job. Three removal truck falls later, I was done and dusted. And, and you know, I, I loved it. The driver in charge that day uh, was a guy called Mick Kilgallen. Um, he's now our operations manager. So it's funny, really, that, you know, how things come full circle. I don't think either of us had envisaged when we were unloading two seven and a half ton loads of plants at eight o'clock on a Friday afternoon that we'd be in the position that, that we are now. So that's where it really started. And then really, you know, the rest of those summer holidays then, it was literally eat, sleep, repeat. I'd, I'd come into work with my mum, go out and on one of the vehicles and, and help the crew uh, load and unload, go home, have my tea, go to bed, start again the next day. And the, the first couple of, of, uh, of weeks I was, I was working there, it never even crossed my mind that they'd, they'd pay me at the end of it. You know, I just did it and it was just something I enjoyed being around the guys and, and doing the job. Hold on, Rob. So you did this purely for the love of the job. No money. You weren't expecting any money. I think what, what, 
You are a true removal man. (laughs) It it never, at 14 years old, it never really crossed my mind. You know, it was like, well, it was in the school holidays. I had nothing better to do anyway. And I enjoyed it. So, you know, I think somebody said if, uh, if you enjoy doing doing the job that you do, you'll never work a day in your life. So the fact that they did pay me at the end of it was a, was a big bonus. See, and then once you get in this industry, you (laughs) can't get out. Absolutely. So, can you tell everyone about your company and the services it offers? Yeah, so I'm now the Managing Director of John Lomas Removals. When I started working for the company, John and Steve Lomas owned the business. And when I worked for them, I was primarily a, a removals porter. And later on, I became involved in, in the sales and the operations side. Uh, the business itself has been through a bit of change over the last 20 years. So in June 2006, Clockwork bought the company off the Lomas Brothers, which, as luck would have it, I'd left university after studying business studies in the May of that year. So things kind of aligned for me, really. I'm led to believe that as part of the sales and succession talks, um, I was recommended for the role of sales estimator. So Clockwork offered me the opportunity to do that for them full time. So whilst I was employed then by Clockwork, I sort of worked my way through the ranks. I became operations manager a few years after taking up the sales role. And then a few years after that, I was promoted to, to branch manager until one day, Malcolm Pearson, who was the, the MD of Clockwork back then, sort of had a full and frank discussion with me. I should probably set the, the, the scene really in terms of the timings and stuff. It was sort of right in the midst of the recession. And he basically said that Clockwork were quite rightly looking at ways to, to save costs. The lease was coming up for renewal on the buildings at, at Cannock. And they felt that they could operate the work uh, in the Midlands from, from their Sheffield branch. So they were looking to, to close the branch down and sort of said to me, look, you know, I know it's tough, but would you be happy to facilitate that in terms of handling the redundancies, sorting the dilapidations on the buildings out and basically being the last one responsible for turning off the lights and, and closing the doors? You know, given the, the economic circumstances at the time, I thought, well, you know, if it, if it buys me another few weeks or another couple of months in, in employment, then, then, you know, so be it. And, you know, it was something that, that I was, ha- well, not happy, but I was prepared to do. But it, it got me thinking. And I knew that the John Lomas Removals brand was strong in the local area. I was proud of it. And, it's, you know, at the end of the day, it was all I'd ever known. I'd never had a paper round. I'd always, always worked here. So, you know, we we're fortunate in, in the sense that all the trucks were still branded in our Carnival Red uh, running colours. I'd previously resisted the calls um, to have them resprayed by, by some of the clockwork senior management. Uh, much to, to, to Courtney's uh, disdain, um, but I just felt that it was unethical for us to be spending a couple of thousand pounds on a truck to have it resprayed when I was having to sit down with, with staff members and, and try and explain away the reasons for, for having to make their jobs redundant. So I started looking at the, the profit and loss accounts, stripping out some of the costs that we'd lose at the top end if we stepped away from, from clockwork. And I was fortunate enough, really, in that my father runs his own chemical distribution business. So I piggybacked onto onto his financial director, and we just started going over some scenarios, putting together the figures, and we soon realised that you know we had a sort of viable business on our hands. So we put together a, a management buyout offer, and we presented it to Clockwork. Happily, that was accepted, and the deal went through on the first of August of twenty eleven. So. We bought the business back and, and now we're a fully fledged family run business again. Myself and my father are directors. My mum Elaine, she's she's our office manager. 
Um, and my sister Laura, she works um, in quite a broad role, really, covering admin, sales, marketing. In terms of the, the business and what we do, we're about a 50 50 split domestic to commercial removers in, in normal times. We specialize in show home installations, we do some insurance work, office and commercial relocations, and have storage for about 500 containers. I want to come back on one thing. Okay. So in 2006, yeah. Clockwork bought John Lomas Removals. Yeah. And then you're obviously in negotiations with Malcolm to make some of the guys redundant. Yeah. You were at a very young age yourself then. Yeah. That's a big task to undertake at a young age. Yeah, I think I think the experience that I had with Clockwork was was a good one in terms of giving me a, a grounding for, for business. And when I was working as operations manager and as, as a, in a sales role within the, within the branch there, my, the, the branch manager, Gavin, at the time, Gavin DeVille, he was, he was good with me because, you know, he'd, he'd sort of let me have, be, be privy to some of the, the things that ne- not, you know, somebody in my position shouldn't necessarily be privy to. So it, it set me up you know, to be able to, to do that. It wasn't nice. Um, and it was probably some of the hardest times in, in my career so far, you know, and the, the hardest thing really was that I was having to make decisions about people's livelihoods. And, and these guys really were, were, were guys that, that I'd worked with, you know, they were, they were my, my friends previously. So yeah, it was a difficult time. And I see you are a Bishop's franchise. What does Bishop's bring to the table? Okay, well, um, firstly, the, the, the guys at, um, at Bishop's Move are, are top class in and outside of work. Um, we've been a franchise for them now for about seven years, I think, if, if my memory serves me correct. They're great to have regular contact with in terms of sort of policy and procedural issues. For example, you know, when, uh, when the implementation of, the, of GDPR came in a few years back, you know, they were, they were a good sounding board. And now, most recently, with COVID-19, you know, the help and the support and the guidance is extremely useful. They give us access to international and, and European rates, which allows us to compete in those markets. And really, the, the cherry on top of all that is that they provide us with revenue-generating stream of, of work through various contracts that they hold. So when Nigel Bishop approached me, I was the sort of sole sales estimator within the business. So Everything that we did work-wise, I had to go out and win. Um, and so the Bishop's Move tie-up really went a long way to helping alleviate that burden on me. Um, it brought in work that I didn't have to go out and win. And for the most part, you know, it's good, clean, honest work. And our guys enjoy it. I'd say it was a little bit difficult to start with um, in terms of getting the culture right. But I knew I cracked it when the staff started to sort of change their, their terminology and they started using... Instead of using they or them, they started to refer to us as, as us when, when we were doing Bishop's Move work. So, yeah, you know, I'd say it brings a lot to the party, but most crucially, it's, it's work that I don't have to go out and win myself. Do you have any of the vehicles in Bishop's Colours? We do, yeah. We, um, we have just one truck, an 18-ton truck in, in full Bishop's Move livery. And when the guys go out and do a job for bishops, are they then in bishop's uniform or are they in John Lomas Removal's uniform? We have dual branded uniform, right? Just easy to manage that way. Um, and also, if the bishops move vehicle, sometimes will go out on a John Lomas job. So um, it just helps sort of bring everything together. The driver, who generally in in the bishops move truck all of the time, he very conscious of explaining to the customers if it is that the you know the yellow bishops move truck turns up to a john lomas move of what's happening and it happens the other way around as well you know we have 
John Lomas vehicles turn up sometimes to Bishop's Move jobs, and we've got yeah. a dual branding on the on the John Lomas trucks as well. So, what challenges have you had to overcome? Um, there's too many to mention, really. I, I guess over the years, I sometimes forget that I've been in a, a managerial role now longer than it. I was in a role working day in day out on the vehicles. I suppose every day really presents a new challenge. There's so many facets of everyday work that are beyond our personal control. And when I think about time working for Clockwork, there was a lot of politics to deal with there. The guys were quite militant and very resistant to change, which made every decision difficult. But I used to play good cop, bad cop. And when I was ops manager, I think it worked quite well. I could often get the, the guys to do things for me that nobody else within that business could. Most of the time, it was just sort of simply persuaded them not to be deliberately difficult, you know. Most recently, I think you know, the biggest challenge of, of my career is, is probably COVID-19. The sheer amount of decisions that, that I had to make from, from the early outset, really, you know, the stress and the worry about the viability of the business when deciding to shut down back in March of last year. And then, you know, the, the work that nobody sees in that downtime, whilst everybody within my business was furloughed apart from me, I was there then implementing, drawing up and you know policies, procedures, working at how we're going to implement them, just so that that could enable us to come back to work when it was sort of safe to do so. And even now, um, you know, with everything that's going on, there's a constant challenge of just having the staff fit for work each day, and it's a heavy burden. You know, I've I've got sort of 16 other people's livelihoods on my shoulders, and two of those are, are family members as well. I think as as professionals in the removals industry. We all pride ourselves on never letting that, the customer down. Um, if somebody calls in sick, we go out and work on the trucks. If it snows, we come in early, dig the trucks out, grip the road so we can get the vehicles up to, to the customer's property to get loaded or to, to deliver. And I think we all dread that thought of just making the call to the client and having to regrettably inform them that we can't move them that day. But you know, as we carry on through this latest lockdown, I've come to the conclusion that sooner or later somebody is going to have to do that and and it's unfortunate but i suppose you just have to give up stressing about it that's a big side of a, of a removal company that the outside don't get to see like you said turning up early yeah. to dig the trucks out of the snow you know all of that and, and people don't realize the amount of work that goes on behind the scenes that when in the first lockdown when majority of companies not all but majority of companies did close down you are the only one working as such then in John Lomas. And although you're setting up your procedures and practices, you're also dealing with customer emails, dealing with voice messages left on answer yeah. machines, et cetera, et cetera. You know, it still goes on. It still goes on. One quick question. Do you find that as you were a porter yourself and obviously working with the guys, do you find that that helps you now that you are managing director? I think so. I think the business has come through you know, the period of time since the change in ownership. And to be honest, the majority of the staff, not all of them, but the majority of the staff now are uh, a, a new staff. But right. yes, it does. I mean, I know the job inside and out and, and I know the business from, from the ground up. You know what it's like in this industry. There's always somebody that's got a difference of opinion. And I always just maintain, you know, that I won't ask any of my staff to do something that I wouldn't be prepared to do myself. So yeah, I think it, it does help. I don't think whether it's a help or a hindrance sometimes, not necessarily sure. Say, for instance, you, you're working in a sales role, trying to sell a service to a customer. 
perhaps if you didn't have any knowledge of how the job goes and 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 that then probably see less problems but yeah i know the job inside out and and so yeah i guess you know i can only talk from my experience and i think it probably does yeah i think that's got to help 110 percent. it has to when you're asking the guys to do something at least then they know that it's coming from somebody that's done that role themselves it helped me as well when i was working as operations for clockwork you know because the guys knew that i knew the job they knew that i'd been out there with them on the on the shop floor and whatnot you know and so i think i think it did garner a, a bit of respect from them so if you could change anything from the past what would it be not that you've had that long a past because you're still only 36 <laughs> yeah. 37 this year <laughs> I think it's probably just that when I was as when I was younger, I tend to suffer fools all too gladly. I used to carry people that weren't necessarily up to the task, and I used to, you know, I'd have a tendency to give people too many chances. And I think about some of the staff that have worked for me that you know couldn't work a full week without throwing a sickie, and how I stuck with them and gave them chance after chance, and that you know that just results in you being let down time after time. Then yeah, I think probably I'd change that, and I certainly wouldn't be as, as forgiving now and then I think also one thing I do really regret is uh, what happened back in March um, you know after the, the Prime Minister addressed uh, the nation the BAR sent out their emails you know recommending that we remove the staff from the coal face immediately the knee-jerk reaction was you know shut up shop and it left some of our customers on the on the Tuesday and the Wednesday, you know, up the creek without a paddle. And I think with hindsight, I'd have finished working that week. Um, I'd give the customers for the following week the notice and we'd have worked out that week and, and finished the jobs that we had booked. What is your high point of being in the industry? And I'm sure you still have many high points to come. Um, it's such a good question, that, to be honest. I suppose it depends on, on how you're wired and, and what you take pride in and how you measure success. There's a few things really. I've always thought it's quite nice when, when you get the opportunity to move friends or, or family. Generally, when people move home, it's a nice experience and they're moving because they want to and, and a lot of the time they're moving to, to better themselves. So I've always thought it's a real privilege to be involved in that. And then there's the big jobs that you do, the ones that you know you, you have to really win and they take detailed planning in terms of the resource and, and whatnot and you know when when the, you sort of alleviating those customers doubts and, and you go to get the job done and, and everything goes smoothly and, and you know it leaves them really satisfied um, I think that's that's also something that makes me happy and I love commercial work I love doing commercial surveys I could just survey office and commercial moves day in day out and I think one of the big feathers in the cap was one of the moves we did this, this year actually we did a move for West Bromwich Albion uh, moving up their commercial department from from uh, one warehouse to another and did all the, the fire mapping for, for the shelving and whatnot and because I got a vested interest in the football club as well it was something that, that proved um, particularly rewarding but I think that probably the, the highest point in the industry really is just that the acquaintances and the friends that you make along the way you know commercial mm-hmm. what's so special about commercial that you you could do it all day long as such I just, I just find it simple. I just find it easy. You know, just the, the planning of the resource. It's, it, there's, there's so less that, that can 
can go wrong you know you're not waiting for release of keys and solicitors and and that kind of thing and yeah just um I think it, it come, goes back to the days when I was working for, for John and Steve Lomas, really. They had a contract and, and we, we do um, office moves and strip outs for, you know, the, the government departments, the Department of Work and Pensions and Job Centre Plus and those kind of organisations. And we'd be planning it off the spreadsheet and, you know, they'd just send us a list of all the furniture and we'd plan the move. Really, to this day, it stood me in good stead because I can look at a list of furniture I can work the volume out from it and know it's going to be pretty accurate, know that we'll get it on the vehicles and, and, and just plan the resource from there. So the fact that if then I can actually go and see a move as well physically, you know, it just means I can plan everything. 99 times out of 100 goes smooth as silk. So is John Lomas Removals a member of the commercial moving group? No, we're not. No. Why? 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 Why not? I'm going to send Nigel to have a word with you. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> by, uh, by all means. I just, um, I guess it's just something we've not really thought about, not really looked at. I suppose if we were knocking on doors and people were asking us about it, it would be something that we'd look to think, well, yeah, okay, we need to get that sorted so that it opens the door. But it's just we seldom get asked about it. So I guess it's, a, it's really a, a case of needs must, you know. So what one thing would you change within the moving industry? Um, I think it would probably be the conveyancing process. I think the key weights. I think this industry loses so many good people, particularly good drivers, due to not knowing what time they're going to be finished in an evening. You know, and it's just frustrating. If, if you could literally go from one property and move straight into the other, we'd have all our trucks back by five, half five every day. Take yesterday, for example, you know, the, the guys were out on a move. They didn't get keys until quarter to five. You know, they're not back then until seven o'clock at night. The stuff that's got to go come off that truck and the stuff got to go on the truck for Monday. And what happens is, is because they're laid back, I have to come in on a Saturday and sort it out. So that's, that's a big frustration and something I'd change. And then I think the only other one I could think of really was the three and a half ton sector. I think it needs regulation. I think it needs to be brought under the operator's license jurisdictions. And that way, then the, the drivers could have some formal training as well. Um, and it'd level the playing field. What advice would you give to a young Rob just starting out in the industry? So go back, Rob, go back to being 14. What advice would you give yourself now? <laughs> Work harder at university and should have specialised in law. I think <laughs> I could have been a solicitor or something, but. Joking aside, I think it's um, the biggest thing and, and the, the biggest lesson that I've had to learn is to not let the business or the industry run you. You know, I think nowadays people have developed a, a sort of Amazon culture in, in inverted commas, you know, and if you let them, they want access to you 24-7. They want delivery the same day or tomorrow at the latest. And there's a fine line, you know, obviously we all want to offer exceptional customer service. But ultimately, the business is a, is a vehicle to provide you with a living. And sometimes, you know, those lines can get blurred and the business can start to, to run you and you become a slave to it. And when that happens, you know, it's dictating your free time and you just start to resent it. And that's something that I struggled with in the early days after taking, you know, taking charge of the business. It's something that, that I've had to learn to get under control. And, you know, thankfully, I'm in a... a a much better position and, and um, you know, I manage it better now, um, but it's certainly something that I've had to I learn the hard way on. And then secondly, network. 
you know, make time to get to know people, understand what they do. Don't be scared to approach people for advice when you need it. Where do you do your networking? On the golf course, mainly. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, There's two ways, really. Um, You've known Malcolm Pearson far too long. (laughs) I I shouldn't really pass comments. He's not here to defend himself. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, you know, I mean, to be fair to Malcolm, um, me and Malcolm have, have become good friends um you know he after working for clockwork he went off to to work for reason global and they're our insurance brokers now so you know in normal times i'll i'll, I'll see a bit of him and he's he, you know he's really good fun he's introduced me to a, to a lot of people that that are useful contacts to have and i'd say as well you know social media is really useful these days now as well you know you can have access to to different movers geographically all over the country and you know i've made some good friends off off doing that as well where do you see yourself and the industry in the next five years? Well, that's that's a really tough question, isn't it? I mean, you know, I was trying to put a budget together for this year and, um, you know, it's just so, so difficult at the moment. There's so many, you know, factors that... The thing is with our industry is there's a lot of things that we just don't have control over. And, you know, this year now you've got COVID rolling on, um, you know, the rollout of the vaccine and when we're going to come out of lockdown. Got stamp duty holiday, which I think is probably overinflating the the industry at the moment in terms of the volume of sales and and the moves. You've got Brexit affecting things as well. You know, a lot of the European boys have sort of hung their, their truck keys up in terms of going into Europe at the moment. And if they're doing that, they start to fish in the in the domestic pond. So I think it's going to be going to be a tough sort of eighteen months to two years. What happens from from March until sort of August or September this year is anybody's guess. I think you know once we can, if I mean <laughs> globally, if we can get the, the this pandemic under control, then obviously things should be able to start to to, to go back to a bit more normality. But in five years' time. I'm not. I'm really not sure. It'd be difficult to say. I think we'd probably all be here, looking back at this and thinking, "Wow, that was a crazy time." And hopefully, we all got through it. Fingers crossed. Yeah, God willing. So, what do you do outside of the industry to switch off? Well, I like to spend time with uh, with my family. I think when I first became the, the the MD of John Lomas, it was something that was quite blurred. You know, you have to put a lot of hard work and effort into into re-establishing a, a business and you know I'd work seven days a week you know for a period of time you know but when the when the kids came along you start to realize that family time is important I live for my holidays so I love um, you know speaking to the wife about where we're going to go then you know booking it planning it all so I'm um, getting sort of uh uh, withdrawal symptoms about that at the moment because you can't book anything to go anywhere at the moment which is a bit frustrating don't worry though rob mickey mouse will always be there for you <laughs> <laughs> yeah well yeah fingers crossed eh? <laughs> but yeah just uh you know i like watching sport um big football fan well i was a big football fan until this season uh support west bromwich albion they're not doing too great so you might actually be doing their move from premier league to championship i take it I think it's inevitable that they're going to be moving from Premier League to Championship. Your mum's not going to appreciate me for saying that. <laughs> no, but 
But I say it very tongue in cheek, very tongue in cheek. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm a bit more realistic than she is, I think. So I don't think Sam I'm... will save you. Well, fingers crossed. If he does, he can have the freedom of West Bromwich. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you know, I like, uh, like watching a lot of sport. I'm into football, boxing, UFC. Big golf fan. Loved watching it and playing it. Fingers crossed. Got a trip planned in September with my father to go and watch the Ryder Cup over in Wisconsin. So, again, hoping and praying that all this coronavirus stuff gets under control. Uh, and then just the usual stuff, you know, eating out, socialising with friends, watching films, binging on Netflix with the wife, just anything really that gives you a bit of escapism. And finally, I like to end my podcast with a funny moving story. <laughs> Do you have one or more to tell? Well, I was racking my brains about funny stories and there's, there's a, a few that sort of came up and some of them weren't really uh, suitable for a yes they are they all are they all are it's just that people are too afraid to tell them (laughs) there's there's two that i can think of the first one sort of involves me directly when i used to work on the trucks second one sort of from my time managing the business so we used to subcontract delivery to a well-known sofa sales company so we had a delivery and and the driver i was porter at the time he needed a number two and it was before sat navs and, and all the technological gadgets that we have in the cabs these days. Um, and I had an old fashioned A to Z navigating him in, turned into the street. And he said to me, uh, I'm going to have to go at this house. What number are we? So I've looked down at the delivery note, giving the house number. So we look it up, pulls up outside. And you know what drivers are like on with the handbrake, off with the ignition in, in one swift movement. Um, doors <laughs> open, you know, no three points of contact down the steps. He's jumped out, runs to the front door. Gives the, the door a knock. Lady answers it in a dressing gown. It was fairly early on in the morning. And he says to her, can I use your toilet, please? So he sort of goes in upstairs, goes to the toilet. I've jumped up onto the back of the truck to get the delivery ready. And the woman's husband uh, comes out to me. He says, excuse me, mate, what are you doing here exactly? I said, oh, we're delivering for SCS. We subcontract to them for, for busy periods. And I was just thinking, you know, he's confused because we've got John Lomas removals on the side of the truck. He said to me, he says, there's a problem with that, though. I haven't ordered a sofa for me. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm a bit confused, and I go and check the paperwork, and, and sure enough, my error, I gave the driver the house number for the drop after the one we got to now. <laughs> so I make an apology to the, to the guy, and, and we have a bit of a laugh about it, um, and he's sort of asking me some questions. And what follows is the most uncomfortable period of time where I'm trying to make conversation with him. And it just seemed like an age before our, our driver emerged back from the property, you know, finished. <laughs> so when he came down, I said to him, I just went, right, get in the truck and uh, I'll explain everything. So gets into the truck and I said to him, drive. And he said, what's going on? He said, Does he not want to I said, no, mate. I said, I just burst out laughing, you know, couldn't breathe. And uh, I said to him, I said, no, mate. I said, sorry, it's the wrong house. And he was absolutely mortified. <laughs> for weeks after he was he was sure that either scs were going to call us with a complaint or they were going to take the number off the side of the van and, and, and uh i was a bit naughty because i kept uh i'd come out of you know in the warehouse or whatnot i'd be like our oh, uh, steve wants you in the office and so he kept coming <laughs> uh but yeah so so that's one that sticks in uh in my mind 
Oh, that's brilliant. That is absolutely brilliant. <laughs> and, uh, and then the second one, we were moving um, some like friends of friends of friends into a new build property probably three or four years ago now. I've been out and done the survey and like sort of, you know, give them all the, the sales uh, spiel and whatnot. And we got talking about what happens on completion day. So uh, the client mentioned to me that he, the builder that he's buying the property off, he works for. And so that they've said to him, look, there won't be a delay in any keys. They're going to do him a favor. They'll let him in so that we can unload the vehicle and they can start unpacking. And then once the transaction's taken place, they, they'll do an official handover of keys to him later. Um, so in a bit of, bit of jest really i said well you know if it was me what i'd do is i'd go off to the pub for lunch sh- show the guys into the new house go off to the pub for lunch and you know when you come back then after that we should nearly be done so that that's actually what happened you know he took it literally so uh we rocked up to the new site to the new house at about 1 30 in the afternoon um the site manager was there so he showed us in so you know the crew then happy as larry on a friday afternoon got access into the new property we put all the floor and protection down and stuff as you do. Uh, the woman had made a, a plan with all the rooms on and whatnot, and everything was really packed well and, and labelled, so the unloading was a cinch. I think as well, because they got keys, we had another local crew that came out to help while they were on a key weight and whatnot. So we got everything unloaded. There's a couple of bed frames to, to build up, so guys started building up the bed frames. And the, the customer rocks back about quarter to four from the extended lunch. Um, and there's a bit of fuffle in the, in the kitchen. So the driver in charge went down to make sure everything was okay. And it wasn't, turns out the site manager had let us into the wrong house. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we should have been in the house next door. So you can imagine, can't you, you know, the calls to me and, and, and everything that was going on. So what should have been a nice, easy afternoon turned out all hands to the pump. We had to divert all the crews in and, and decamp from the one house to the other. <laughs> so no one was happy about it on the Friday afternoon, but we had a good laugh about it on the Monday morning after the weekend, that's for sure. I'm sure the, that, that's brilliant, but I'm sure this must happen on a, on a semi-regular basis. It must do, you know, turning up to a wrong house, certainly on a, on a new building site and that, but. I'm still gobsmacked at your driver going to the toilet in a stranger's <laughs> house and the woman opening the door just letting him in. I think she was just gobsmacked, yeah. I think he was just so so sort of confident and sure that it was the right house for me going to be there. <laughs> oh, brilliant, brilliant. Rob, many thanks for your time this morning. I truly appreciate it. It's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you as always. No problem. Thank you for, uh, for inviting me to talk on your podcast, Colin. Much appreciated. Anytime, mate. Anytime whatsoever. Have a great day. Thanks very much, you too. I sincerely hope you enjoyed episode 16 of Moving Matters. Please rate, review and subscribe in your favourite podcast player of choice. And please tell your industry colleagues about Moving Matters. My thanks and appreciation go to Rob Horobin of John Lomas Removals for giving up his time to record this episode. Thank you again, Rob. If you would like to know more about John Lomas Removals and the services they offer, then you will find links within the show notes for this episode and on our webpage, movingmatterspodcast.co.uk. And please, if you have a funny moving story that can be relayed to our listeners or you would like to be a guest on the podcast, then do reach out to me by completing the contact form on our webpage, movingmatterspodcast.co.uk. Well, that is all from me, so until next time, keep moving.